how can we make the holidays less stressful? Well, for this, I have invited uh, Douglas Bertram, and he knows a lot about stress and how to deal with stress physiologically, not only emotionally. So he will teach us some biohacks we can use to get the parasympathetic nervous system, that more relaxed nervous system, amped up so that we can feel more centered and more at ease during the holidays. Hey, Doug, so nice to meet you and have you on the show. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk with me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I appreciate you having me on. Well, I said in the introduction that stress is what a lot of people experience during the holidays. And, and I think stress has a multi-layered effect on our entire system. But I wanted to ask you, how do you see stress and what does it do, do to our mind and body? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, like I, I think that in order for me to talk about stress, I, I like to just uh, start by saying I don't think stress is a bad thing. Okay, um, so I think I think stress is, um, you know, is is a what allows us to respond to the demand of of a, of, of a high demand situation. And so you mentioned around the holidays, well, there's, there's lots of triggers and there's lots of high demand, right? I mean, we get busy, we have to, you know, travel around and we have to get the kids ready and we have to go to in-laws and maybe some of those in-laws we haven't seen in a while, which inherently can be a little stressful. And, you know, so it's asking a lot of us, right, is, is, is how I relate to stress. And so any situation that, that, that is asking a lot of us requires our body to respond with a with a stress response and so it's not necessarily a bad thing it's just all about how we deal with it and and, and the skills that we deploy to make sure that it doesn't uh, become a negative i think you know stress is natural absolutely but don't you agree that sometimes we are because we don't have the skills on how to deal with stress overloading our system with stress hormones and all the effects it has and and that is certainly something that also then leads to bad uh, compensatory habits where we are feeling like well i'm stressed i gotta drink a little bit more or eat a little bit more sugar or i'm gonna veg out a little bit more only adding to the stress effect no doubt about it and you know the Again, using this definition of, of stress is how everybody uh, responds to a high demand situation. The inverse is also true. Uh, it only becomes detrimental if when we are in moments of low demand, if we don't use those moments to recuperate. And, and that's, that's, that's the ticket right there is we're not going to ever eliminate the stressful triggers, the high demand situations where we're being asked to respond. It's in the small moments where we're no longer in a high demand situation that we don't uh, take the opportunity to uh, recuperate and, and restore ourselves. I mean, you talk about that we can use stress for our advantage. So make stress work for us rather than fighting the stress. What do you mean with that? Well, stress is how we get stronger. I mean, every time you go to the gym, you're stressing your body. And it's it's through stressing the body that the body adapts to get stronger. Um, we only develop our immune system through being exposed to small amounts of, of you know, bacteria and viral load that, that cause us to learn and, and, and adapt. And so stress is the process of which we force adaptation. 
Um, so without stress, you know, you wouldn't evolve, you wouldn't be, you know, you wouldn't learn, you wouldn't, uh, you know, become stronger and more resilient. Um, the problem with, with what most people where they get into trouble is they continue to react as though they're in a dangerous high demand situation when it's time to go to bed, when it's time to, uh, you know, relax and, and, and to restore and, and put your body into what I refer to as, as a parasympathetic state where we, it's time to rest and digest and relax and repair. And a lot of people will carry the, the, stimulus from the high demand situation and they'll carry that into the low demand situations. So if you got cut off on the highway, well, that may have been a very dangerous, very scary thing that, you know, really spiked a sympathetic response and got your adrenals and your stress hormones, you know, firing on all cylinders. Well, when it's time to go to bed that night, you're, you're, you're no longer at risk of being run off the highway. But if you're still, you know, in that sympathetic drive and your heart rate's going and your and your stress hormones are still continuing to be active, that's when stress starts really having a negative effect. Um, in order to to not do that, we have to learn awareness. We have to be aware that that's happening, right? By understanding what stress feels like in the body and recognizing, oh, I'm clenching my jaw. Oh, my heart's racing. Oh, I'm breathing very shallowly. And then once you are aware that you're stressed, then you have to make sure that you have tools to try to offset that and to work against the stress. And by by using those tools, we can change the outcome of, of, of the, the grip that stress has on our lives. And we can minimize the negativity that comes from prolonged states of, of sympathetic drive or being in a stress response. I mean, it's really ultimately about balance, but I like what you said about the awareness point, because first of all, most of us are not very aware of our body, period, unless it hurts. And we are often also not aware of our mind because we are so distracted by these outside noises that we don't really listen to ourselves or feel our emotions anymore. So yes, stress can also be in some ways, you know, like a, an alarm wake up call from our system that says, okay, you are running hot, you're going on overdrive. Now you are a person with structure elements, you, you found that company, you work mainly on the physical body and the fascia with acupuncture and another manual therapy. Now I'm sure you have some hacks, biohacks that can help us de-stress. And with Empowerment Solutions, I always love to have some solutions where people once they have awareness, actually can go to something that you could suggest to get out of the sympathetic nervous system. Yeah, well, the, the first, yes, we work with the physical body as our way in. You know, we really focus on the the fascia system as, as a mechanism. Um, a lot of people don't think of, they've heard of fascia, like they've heard of fascia and foam rolling and, and you know, that fascia is the stuff that needs to be blasted and beat up and, and freed so that the muscles can function properly. But, uh, but that's really looking at fascia as tissue. When you look at fascia as a system, it's a system of communication and, and it's a, a, it's an organ system actually. Um, and it's a bi-directional signaling with our autonomic nervous system. So if, if we are stressed, our fascia stiffens. And if our fascia is chronically adhered, um, <clears throat> it will also trigger the stress response. So it's bi-directional. It works both ways. Um, being in a stress state can negatively impact our fascia and having uh, you know, stiff, uh, gummed up, uh, inflamed fascia can have a negative effect on our nervous system. 
So that is our mechanism is really uh, looking at that that interface between the health of the connective tissue and and how it impacts the nervous system so that the body can best uh, self-regulate. And we always say that we don't healing doesn't happen in our clinics. Right. We we set the body up to be uh, receptive to healing. But the healing happens from the body's own homeostatic mechanisms kicking in. Right. Um but, but the first thing is awareness. And so how do you develop awareness? Well, you have, you have to have some sort of method to listen, right? You know, you have to first, you know, it's like if, if I'm ever going to become, you know, a better golfer or if I'm ever going to, you know, become a better runner or something like that, there has to be some measurement that I'm taking, right? In golf, it's my score, right? What's my handicap? Am I improving? Right. So I have a baseline that's giving me feedback, you know, with running, it might be my time. So yes, I'm a better runner than I was a month ago. I'm running, you know, my mile splits are 30 seconds per mile faster, but what, what, what is our indicator for stress, right? How do you expect to improve at, at, at being better at regulating something without a feedback loop? Okay. And so, you know, people oftentimes just think that not being sick or not being injured or not, you know, you know, losing your temper and yelling at your kids, that that means that you're managing your stress okay, right? But, but at what expense internally, right? And so, you know, developing some sort of baseline where you stop to take inventory is crucial if you're going to improve at the skill of managing stress. So what would you suggest are some of those indicators to yeah. measure? So, yeah, definitely. Um, if, if you want to get really technical, I'll start, I'll start with the big ones um, and then we can kind of work back into more simplistic uh, techniques. But um, the, the big one is, is, is breath. Okay. So breath is, is, is the biggest. And can I take a deep, full breath? And can I, if you really want to get technical about it, can I manipulate my breath so that my exhalation is longer than my inhalation? Okay. Yeah. If you are worked up and you're really upset and you're mad and your temper's running hot, you are going to be very hard pressed to have an exhalation that is longer than your inhalation. Okay. That is one measurement right there that's saying that you're not getting parasympathetic breakthrough and that you're in a sympathetic state. Um, so time it, right? I mean, it's, it's that simple. You so know, what take, would you say is a normal time for an exhalation? Well, you should be able you should one. be able to achieve a four two six breath. Okay, four two six breath is a baseline that says that you're okay, right? So a four two six breath means I can inhale for four seconds, I can hold it for two, and I can exhale for six seconds. If you get out of breath during that six seconds and you feel like you have to gasp for air, you're not getting parasympathetic breakthrough, right? You're not getting a full diaphragmatic breath, and you're 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 in a stressed state. Okay, so it's something that simple. Um, if you really want to get fancy with it, you can use, you know, one of the wearable technologies that measure heart rate variability. Um, heart rate variability is a great indicator as to how well we're doing this on an ongoing basis. Um, so heart rate variability, for those that aren't familiar, is literally the difference of how fast my heart is beating when I'm inhaling versus how fast my heart is beating when I'm exhaling. There should be variation. Okay. And actually the bigger that number is, the more healthy we're considered to be. Um, if we don't have any variation in the speed of our heart rate, when we're inhaling and exhaling, it says that we're not achieving parasympathetic breakthrough, that we're climbing the sympathetic ladder and that we're staying in a sympathetic state. 
Um, when we exhale, it stimulates something called the vagus nerve, which directly helps to turn on our parasympathetic, which again is the rest, digest, relax response. And if we're get, getting that parasympathetic breakthrough, we should see a variation in our heart rate during that exhalation. That's a number you can pay attention to. Right on the Apple Watch, if you have an Apple Watch or, or an Aura Ring or, or some of those wearable technologies, um, they all measure heart rate variability. And it can actually be something that's kind of fun to play with as like a you know little gamification. You know, If I sit down and do some deep belly breathing, can I get a spike in my heart rate variability as kind of a little bit of a biofeedback um, tool? It's kind of a fun game. So when you are, for example, aware that you cannot do the deep breathing, but then you say, you know what, that's also for me to get this parasympathetic breakthrough. So after how many minutes would you normally expect this, you know, breakthrough to happen? If you're paying attention to it, it can happen very quickly, right? So if you're, if you notice, oh man, I cannot do the four, two, six breathing, right? But you continue to try you'll notice that maybe within three or four breath cycles, all of a sudden you can, right? And now at that point, you're getting parasympathetic breakthrough, right? But it's, it's you know, it's not uh, to set off any uh, panic or alarms. Oh my goodness, I can't do a 426 breath, right? <laughs> it's just to say, wow, like I'm, I'm worked up right now. I need to work on doing my 426 breath, right? What are other and signs that you know, that, you know, where you would say like, because I, you know, I looked on your on your blog pages and there was also talk about balance and talk Absolutely. about body posture, two things that I think also we don't necessarily pay attention to. Yeah. So uh, neurologically, we're kind of hardwired um, to when we're in a stressed response for it to stiffen certain parts of our body. Um, our jaw is one of them um, and the muscles of mastication. Um, and the hip flexors and in, in, the, in the front of the hips, the iliopsoas complex is another one. Um, and this is, you know, we talk about the sympathetic being the fight or flight. Well, if I'm thinking I might need to flee or fight, right, I need to posturally prepare to do so. So we stiffen our connective tissue and we contract certain muscles in a ready position to either run or to fight. And so there's a, a neurological component to that. So if people are routinely feeling tension in their hips or, or, or uh, pain in their low back, or if they're uh, experiencing TMJ or clenching of the jaw, those are also big indicators that, hey, we're, you know, we're, we're spending a lot of time in, in a defensive position here. Um, so those are good indicators. Um, a lot of times, too, um, <clears throat> when we look at uh, if, if you can feel your heartbeat, uh, you know, a lot of people that kind of freaks them out. They think they're having a heart attack or something because they can feel the palpitations. That's also a pretty good indicator um, that, you know, you're you're experiencing a, a stress response. Um, and, and one of the things that, that I love um, to do is, you know, if, if I'm having trouble getting that 426 breath in, um, I love to lay flat on my back. And uh, there's... Um, a relationship between where these different branches of the, the parasympathetic nervous system are located. Um, the sympathetic is right in the middle of our thoracic spine. So if we've been sitting for a prolonged period of time in the car at our desk or, you know, uh, or, you know, on a device where we're looking down and we have tension in that mid thoracic spine, we're likely to also see a little bit of a spike in our, in our sympathetic response. The parasympathetic is located high up in the neck uh, in, in the cervical spine and in the occiput and down in the sacrum. 
Um, so if you lay flat on your back and support the thoracic spine, you're taking some of that stimulation off of the sympathetic. And when you tuck your chin and you, you bend your knees and open up the SI joints, you're actually giving better facilitation for parasympathetic uh, regulation and stimulation. Um, and then if you do, you know, good diaphragmatic breath in this position, you're likely to see a shift much quicker than if you're weight bearing, if you're, you're sitting on your knees to your chest. Uh, I don't pull the knees to the chest. I put my feet flat on the floor. So, oh, just so okay. uh, maintain a bent knee position. Um, okay. And that just helps to flatten the lumbar spine uh, against the floor. Um, that should be done on something firm. If, if, if you're in the bed uh, or a soft couch, you're going to lose a little bit of the, the, the support that you get from the floor. And I always uh, coach people that that's only like a three to five minute exercise. Um, you know, you, you don't want to stay there so long that you uh, compromise the healthy curvature of the spine, but you just want to be there long enough to de-escalate uh, the nervous system and allow for that parasympathetic breakthrough to happen. Is there also anything we can do to directly manipulate the fascia since it is a part of, you know, the whole system that also tenses up when we are stressed? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the biggest thing with with fascia work is is when we when we roll around on a foam roller or on a massage ball and we kind of hunt around for where we're where we have these little focal adhesions or these trigger points. Um, there's kind of an idea that we need to like dig on those, right? And that no pain, no gain. And I, I couldn't uh, I couldn't disagree more. Um, the idea, the whole idea of rolfing, for example. Well, it's it's. It, I don't agree with 100% overall. I, I like the idea of fitting people into, you know, 10 evenly stacked little boxes and having good postural alignment. Um, but uh, you can you can go too deep too fast. And, and mm. in my experience, a good rolfer, a good myofascial therapist, uh, a good manual therapist is going to really work with the breath. And they're going to pay attention to the uh, posturing of their patient. If a, if a patient is able to stay relaxed and breathe through it, um, that is one thing. But if they get what I call dentist chair syndrome, where they're they're posturing their fingers and toes, um, you're now adding stress to the system that is, is going to be counterproductive. Um, so we need to work with that. Um, if, if you go really rudimentary, uh, the nervous system is constantly trying to answer one very basic question. And that question is, am I safe? And if the answer to that question is yes, then we get automatic down regulation. That the body already starts to go into a restorative state. If we answer that question, no, we're going to climb the sympathetic ladder. So even in the context of therapy, if I'm digging on a point and it's causing the patient pain and it's triggering the answer of I don't feel safe right now, it's they're not going to be in a receptive place to elongate those fibers. Hmm. So if we, if we create an awareness, oh, man, I didn't even know I had tension there. Right. And then you allow for them to soften their body, breathe and work with the tissue as you pin that tissue and take them through a passive range of motion. You can very effectively and very quickly elongate those fibers and restore function and glide. So it's it, there's method to the madness, you know, there really is. But well, I'm glad um, to hear that because I certainly have been avoiding the very deep, painful, you know, I'm so glad it's over <laughs> massages for a while. <laughs> but you just you just uh, used a term that I think is often misleading uh, to use interchangeably. The idea of deep equaling painful is very misleading because we do very, very deep tissue work all the time. What's deeper than the central nervous system? 
That's the deepest tissue you have, right? And we work with regulating the centrist nervous system all the time in a very passive, very, you know, enjoyable, very relaxing way, right? So accessing deep tissue is not necessarily, uh, shouldn't be synonymous with pain, right? And 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 we can floss, you know, nerves and we can work with the attachments of the periosteum with of the bone with connective tissue by simply rolling tissue on, on the bone and, and stimulate that tissue very, very gently mm. and affect the deeper structures very effectively without having to push painfully through muscle mass. Mm. And how can you do it yourself? Let's say you're yeah. far away from you guys. What can we do to do a little work in ourselves? Absolutely. So um, gentle movements, dynamic movements are, are, are wonderful. Um, so um, in, in the practices of yoga or of Qigong or Tai Chi, um, things that incorporate breath with dynamic movement is, is wonderful. And that's a way that um, you have to give yourself permission to stop when you feel tightness. Um, yoga is just a, is, is just putting yourself in funny positions. It's just, you know, um, it, it has nothing to do with improving uh, your, your overall well-being unless you bring the breath into the practice, right? And so for me, I'm not a particularly flexible guy. You know, I've done a lot of ultra marathon running. I've done Ironmans and all this stuff. And my muscles are short and tight, right? But I floss my connective tissue all the time, right? And so when I meet resistance with my muscle length, I'll add tone. I'll, I'll, I'll contract, you know, maybe my, my toes towards my knee and flex a little bit. And I'll take a nice deep breath and stretch, you know, further with the breath. And then as I exhale, I let everything relax and, and, and elongate. And, mm. and so using a, a mindfulness practice where you're paying attention to limitations in the body, and then you're interacting with that moment of limitation with gentleness and with incorporating, you know, full breath, um, that's, that's the way to go about bringing the nervous system along for the ride. Is there one stretch that brings the parasympathetic nervous system to the forefront very easily? Um, maybe not a stretch. I mean, the position that I talked about earlier, laying flat on your back, we call that the traction position. Right. And again, three very basic steps, laying flat on your back on a supportive surface. You're then going to bring the feet flat um, and try to, I usually coach people into a little bit of a pelvic tilt where they bridge up and roll, kind of imprint the spine onto the floor. Um, do the same thing by bringing the chin towards the chest and uh, rolling back down, elongating the neck, and then bringing the hands uh, out to the sides, uh, palms face up, and doing that deep diaphragmatic breath. You actually have a ligament that runs along the anterior surface of the spine called the anterior longitudinal ligament. Um, this is a kind of a highway of a bunch of important tissue. Your hip flexors attach right onto this ligament. The crew of the diaphragm attaches right onto this ligament. Uh, the whole, um, you know, pericardial sac and the mesentery of the intestines. This, this whole column of tissue that they call the mediastinum when you add all the tissues together. And if that column is tight, think of wearing a necktie that's tucked into the front of your pants, mm. right? That whole anterior chain of the torso contracts forward, and then we release the head and neck uh, with a head forward posture as a result. So. Having the, the, the pelvis anchored by the ground, uh, tucking the chin, and then animating with the breath is like untucking that necktie from the front of your pants, right? It, it creates length 
through the torso and it allows for the head to come back and restore. It allows for the shoulders to have a place to go. Um, if our head is forward and our shoulders are forward, our whole center of mass is falling forward, which means that we have to widen our stance and turn our feet out. Um, we also then grip with our quads and our glutes, which are our prime movers. So it puts us in an unbalanced state as we're just trying to maintain uprightness. So um, if we can get length along the front of that spine and it allows our center of mass to come back, we can really free up a lot of that tension of the uh, using those prime movers for postural uprightness. And it frees up much more uh, efficiency for, for movements and a lot less effort for, for static standing. And just a few minutes is enough to do that, laying a on your back. A few minutes once a day will change your life over the course of a wow. few weeks. That's yeah. fantastic. Well, Cost that's already, nothing, right? <laughs> it takes no special equipment. And three minutes a day for over the course of a couple of weeks has life-changing impact. Wow. Now, I have one question um, about what you just said. You ran marathons, uh, ultra marathons, uh, triathlons, all these kind of wonderful things. Uh, the one thing that I always admire about people to do this is the mindset, you know, this ability at, let's say you run 100K and you are at 85 and you just feel like I want to just get what the hell am I doing here? I shouldn't be here. I mean, others are in the bar watching football. You're, what do you do with this negative voice that wants, because that's a stressor too. You know, how many times are we in situations, especially, you know, around family, around preparations for the holidays, where there is this little naysayer who just wants to either, you know, poo-poo everything or criticize us or say it's going to not work out anyhow. So what is your method to just keep on going and to make it to the finish line? Yeah, no, I love that question because, you know, a lot of people think, oh, the people that do these races must be superhuman, that they don't feel pain or that they don't, um, you know, experience things like panic, you know, and, and, and fear and anxiety. And, you know, when, when, when I did my first Ironman, I literally had a full-fledged panic attack in the water. You know, I mean, you're in the water with 2,500 other swimmers, and this is, you know, two seconds into the gun going off. You know, this had nothing to do with physical capability. I hadn't gone anywhere yet, you know, but I had just an absolute panic attack. And so it is it is your response to that panic attack. That's the difference between going another, you know, 140, you know, 0.2 miles or, you know, or getting dragged out of the water, you know, by by race support. And for me, it's it's uh, I have a mantra that I use and uh, that that mantra is uh, is I am more than my body's sensations. And so that one for me is really interesting because um, all the sensations that we feel, right, the pain that we feel in our legs or the, you know, the, the experience of anxiety and, and the tightness of the chest, right, um, those are all physiologic reactions that are trying to communicate with, with our, our consciousness, right? And there's an observer there. There's an observer that can experience those, those you know, uh, experiences and so i try to connect with who that observer is and that observer is a is, is a consciousness is a soul is a spirit whatever you want to call it that is more than my body's sensations and so what i can do is i can say thank you body i hear you you know don't worry like i'm not going to harm you trust me here you know we got this and carry on right and so a lot of that is not ignoring the body is not tuning the body out but is is listening 
and harmonizing with that information, right? Is saying, you know, I understand, yes, this is uncomfortable, but we are more than than this sensation. We are still safe and we will be okay. So it's empathetic and encouraging all at the same time. Absolutely. I love that. And I hope this is also something that uh, the listeners can really use during the stressful times in the holidays and after just to say I'm more than my emotional or physical sensations and more than the stress and bigger than these obligations and expectations. That's a really great mantra. And, and I love that you are not just using the mantra, you actually have an attitude with it, a positive attitude. It's not fighting. It's not also being afraid of the sensation. It's just knowing, okay, thank you. It's there. But uh, we'll just keep on going because I think a lot yeah. of us are just ignoring our messages and try to not look at it because it's too scary to be aware of it. Yeah, and and or to 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 try to um, to try to rally ourselves into a moment of bravery, you know. Mm. And 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 I think that you know, for me, bravery is is directly correlated. You know, a true warrior is one that's willing to be vulnerable, right? Not not one that is is going to block out a threat, right? So. Um, for me, it's it's that vulnerability. It's it's the willingness to be uncomfortable. It's the willingness to not know. The willingness to be scared um, that that unlocks uh, you know true human potential. That's exactly what I always uh, teach my clients about anxiety. It's not the enemy, but it's a messenger, and it's also an opportunity. Like you said before, with stress, it's something where we can grow from it and become stronger with it. And that's true for all our sensations. Well, how can people find out more about your work? Yeah, so uh, the name of uh, our project is Structural Elements. Um, StructuralElements.com is the, is the primary uh, you know, website that um, you can find out more information about our company. Um, you know, our physical clinics are, are in you know, Maryland and, and, and in Wisconsin. But uh, we have launched, uh, it's called SE Lab. Um, which is an iOS and Android app. And uh, SE Lab is, is uh, lab stands for learn and apply balance. So again, the thesis there is that we have to first learn the sensations and the awareness. We then have to apply the right skills at the right time in order to achieve this balance. And so everything from how to properly foam roll, how to properly work with you know mobility, uh, tools to how to do uh, stress management, you know, breathing techniques, um, and uh, and certainly the uh, information on on proper techniques of doing the traction exercise and its benefits can all be found on on SE Lab uh, app. And, and that uh, app is traction. downloadable. And yeah, it's downloadable. It's it's in the iOS store. I mean, if you just search for SE Lab app, even on Google, it'll pop right up. And um, the uh, it is a subscription, but um, the traction exercise, as well as some of like the the basics, live outside of the paywall. Um, so you download the app, and that traction position is is our gift uh, to the world because it's our belief that the world would be a better place if everybody uh, had resources to manage their stress a little bit more effectively. Oh, amen. Well, thank you, Doug. This was great. I think we are all better prepared for the holidays, and we probably find ourselves all laying on the floor. <laughs> and doing a six, a four to six breathing and exactly. just feel more resilience growing with every breath. So thank you very much for the time that you took. It's been my pleasure. Us.